0: Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Caleb, Samuel, David, Solomon, Elijah, Elisha, Ezra, Nehemiah, Job, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Then there's Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Thomas, Matthew, Bartholomew, James, Simon, Thaddeus, Judas, Paul, Silas, Timothy and Titus, notice anything? What do these people have in common? They're all men. But that's not all they have in common. These men would have been nothing without five women. Now in our text this morning, and I know it was a long one, but in it are the stories of these five women. Women. Now, James Brown's saying this is a man's, man's, man's world, but it would be nothing without a woman or a girl. Well, I'll edit him a little bit. We may think it's a man's world. We may act like a man's world. And men may kind of stomp around acting like it's their world, but it's not. And we'd be nothing, none of us. We would not be here Today without these five women. Now, when it was time to print the bulletin, I entitled my sermon, Five Women Who Changed the World. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that title is not adequate. These women did not just change the world. They saved the world. God's entire salvation history hinges on the response of these five women to a tyrant. And do we even know their names? And we read today from the scripture, two of the five women, their names, uh, Shifra and Pua, were told they're midwives. As far as I've read, they're probably the only midwives ever named in all of antiquity. And I think we should speak their names together today. Say it after me, Shifra Shifra. and Pua. Pua. The other three women, our text does not give us their names, only their relationships to the named men. But tradition, well, traditions preserve their names. In other parts of scripture, we're told that Moses' mom's name was Jochebed. Moses' sister was Miriam. And outside of scripture, tradition tells us that Moses' adopted mother, Pharaoh's own daughter, was Bithia. Five women, Shifra, Pua, Jochebed, Miriam, and Bithia, saved the world. And then there's the king of Egypt, this guy, he's... Despicable, this guy. Ridiculous, weak, scared, the epitome of evil. We are told he didn't know Joseph. Now we skipped over Joseph's story, but Joseph saved all of Egypt from famine and was promised by the then Pharaoh that his family could always live in Egypt in safety. But then another Pharaoh arose who didn't know Joseph or probably more likely chose to ignore Joseph to ignore the promises made to Joseph why well because this Pharaoh didn't like Joseph's ancestors his descendants rather the Hebrews they were different. There were too many Hebrews around. They just multiplied. Whatever you did to them, they just multiplied and grew and grew. Eventually, they're going to take all the good jobs away from the Egyptians. Egypt was, was changing. It was becoming more diverse. You didn't even know the country you were in anymore. And Pharaoh was afraid. He said to the people, look, the Israelite people are far more numerous and more powerful than we, which was a bold faced lie. They were not far from it, but Pharaoh feared he would eventually lose his base. So come, deal shrewdly with them, he says, or they will increase. And in the event of war, they're going to take our enemy's side, not my side. And so motivated by Pharaoh's fear, the taskmasters, we're told, are ruthless in all the tasks they impose on the Hebrews. Pharaoh instituted an Egypt first policy because Egypt, that's the greatest nation in the world. The policy then made slaves out of everyone who was not Egyptian, the Hebrews, who came by invitation of a Pharaoh himself hundreds of years before, but now they were slaves, but slavery was not good enough for this Pharaoh. So Pharaoh began a systemic process of ethnic cleansing to purify the land from their foreign influence he said to the midwives these midwives whose job it was to deliver hebrew babies two of them shifra and puah told them, when you act as midwives to the hebrew women if it's a boy kill the boy if it's a girl let him live now pharaoh is despicable and he's also pretty dumb Because does he actually believe the midwives are going to do this? Midwives, their purpose in life, their calling is to help a mother deliver the baby. They don't deliver the baby. They help the mother do what the mother is created to do. When the mother doesn't think she can go on, the midwife tells her she can. The midwife walks alongside the mother in the birthing process as a guide, an advocate for the mother's own ability to bring life into the world Midwives are agents of life, and the king of Egypt tells them to be agents of death. There is no way these women will do this, because Shifra and Puah were told fear God. As Egyptians, they fear God. And fearing God, they know that no human power, not even a ruthless ruler like Pharaoh, can stand in the way of God's mission in the world. So they do what God-fearing people are sometimes called to do. They resist. They make up a story that's quite laughable, yet one that this king believes, oh, king, these Hebrew women, they're they're so vigorous that they give birth before we even show up. We can't do anything. Wouldn't that be nice, women, to be so vigorous? No labor. They just have a baby like that. Because of the midwife's courage, they stand up to Pharaoh, and Hebrew boys are spared. But Pharaoh then goes on a rampage, we're told. He recruits everyday Egyptians to participate in his campaign of hate. He tells every Egyptian, no matter who you are, no matter your job, to throw newborn baby Hebrew boys into the Nile. But let the girls live. He tells every Egyptian to participate, even if they're your neighbor's babies, your friend's babies. You've lived together for hundreds of years. You know these people. When they have a baby, throw the boys in the river. Why? Because you're Egyptian. They're not. You are special. They are not. Everything that's wrong in your life is because of them, the foreigners, the strangers among us. If you don't kill their baby boy soon enough, they'll be strong enough to kill yours. And the mob? They do what Pharaoh asks. But in the midst of a mob, there's another woman we meet who stands up, who resists. Her name is Jochebed. And Jochebed hides her newborn baby for three months. Can you imagine hiding a newborn baby for three months? When she can't hide him any longer, we're told she makes a basket for the baby and sets him, doesn't throw him, but sets him gently in the Nile. And I think this woman's planned it all. She knows where Pharaoh's daughter goes to bathe. And she goes up the river just a little bit, right before the bend in the river where no one can see her. And she sets her boy on a basket. And he floats down and he goes around the river while his sister Miriam follows in the bushes on the side of the bank. And just when he's kind of out of reach, he bumps into Pharaoh's daughter who's bathing. She didn't even see him coming. he just bumps into her back. Her name is Bithia, the princess of Egypt, and she sees the basket and she opens it. And this adorable three-month-old baby Hebrew boy begins to cry, and we're told she has pity on him, and she draws him out of the water. She commits to caring for this boy, and Moses' sister emerges from the bushes and asks, Hey, I know some Hebrew women who lost some baby boys whose sons were murdered maybe one of them could nurse this child who's been saved and surprisingly the princess of Egypt bithia agrees she gives the baby over to his own mother and she names the baby Moses because the name Moses means i drew him out of the water And the rest of the story is, well, history. Moses would soon lead his people out of slavery. They would become a nation, a great nation, a nation that would be God's witness to the world of God's saving acts, a nation that would give birth to the Messiah. But it almost didn't happen. Now, I'm confident you can find inspiration in the stories of all those many men whose names I read earlier, and their stories deserve to be shared, and they have. But we need to tell more stories like these today. In our day, I think we need to learn and model our lives around the lives of these five women. Shiphrah, Pua, Jochebed, Miriam, and Bithia. Five women who stood up to hate, who stood up to the empire, who resisted and persisted and risked their own lives for the mission of God. They were all midwives who aided God in giving birth to salvation. Now, two of these women, Jochebed and Miriam, they're Hebrews. We get why they stood up, because it was their baby who was threatened. But here's the thing about those other three women, Shifra, Pua, and Bithia. They're a lot like us. They're the powerful, they're the privileged. They weren't Hebrews. No one was targeting their babies. All they had to do was be silent and just go along, maybe it would pass, but they stood up anyway. No one asked, but they knew it was right, because a threat to someone else's babies was a threat to their own lives. May we be so bold. Marty told me a minute ago she forgot to mention a quote from LaDonna, one of the women on her shirt that she shared earlier, who She was quoted as saying the reason why she persisted all those 13 years was because she couldn't bear to hear the cries of the people in her community suffering. May we hear those cries because our world needs some midwives today, people who will come alongside God as God is birthing justice into this world, who will take risk, who will stand up for those things we know we must stand up because we are disciples Of Christ, midwives for Christ in God's movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. May God give us courage to live into our calling. Amen. As we approach the table, let us sing this hymn of commitment, number 452 Here I am, Lord.